Remember, that's what uh, uh, Jesus' mother told him at the uh, wedding feast of Canaan, which was the first recorded miracle in Jesus' ministry. What did she tell him? Whatever he says to you, do it. And they did. And the water turned into wine. Hallelujah. Well, what do you want to do now? <laughs> well, you're here. You dressed up, combed your hair, and came out. You might as well get the whole thing. Might as well. Go with me, please, to uh, Ephesians, the fifth chapter. We're going to find out some things today. Yeah, hold on. <laughs> and in the days to come, we'll find out if you're serious about some things with God. And it'll be good if you are. At, at this time of year, like we said earlier, people get to thinking about the future. What about 24? What about the rest of my life? What about the future? Ere 24 has finished, we're told that an estimated 61 million people on the earth who are alive right now will no longer be alive by the end of 24. 61 million people dying uh, worldwide at a rate of 1.9 per second. So practically two people every second quit breathing, leave their body, and go up or down. Now there's a lot of people who don't believe that. They don't believe that. They think it's the end. You know, I uh, heard somebody talking about they're trying to be tough, you know, and they said, ah, you know, living a life of crime. They said, oh, the bullet goes whack and everything goes black. No big deal. How do you know? You ever done it? And see, this is one of the big lies uh, that the devil pushes concerning suicide. You see, a lot of, a lot of people commit suicide this time of year. Out of pain and hopelessness. And uh, you can get in a really bad way mentally and emotionally to where you are so tormented, you, you just want it to stop. And you can be so hopeless into thinking, why do I want to live another day in this? I got no future anyway. But all that's assuming that it stops when you die. And it doesn't. Things don't stop when you die. You don't cease to exist. These are lies. I I heard a guy one time tell he decided to commit suicide. He decided to hang himself. And he did. And he died, but somebody found him right right at the moment that he did, and they got the uh, EMTs there, and they eventually got him back. But his heart was stopped. He was dead for a period of time, but somehow they got him back. Mercy of God. And it's what he said. He said, the moment I did it, I regretted it. He said, in the moment... That I died and I'm coming out of my body. I thought, what have I done? What did I? You know, there's a lot of dumb stuff you can do in life, but you live to get over it. But there's some things you do you can't take back. You can't, you can't fix. And that's killing other people. Or it's killing yourself. You got no right to do that. Especially if you're a Christian. Did you ask the Lord? If you could do that, 
If you could hang this body that he paid a price for, you could shoot it or overdose it. I assure you, if you asked him, he told you no. And the Bible says as a believer, we're not our own. Our body's been bought with a price. No, you do not have a right. You do not have a right to damage and destroy this body. It's not your own. And if you're not a believer, how serious is that? Huh? And you die, now you have no more opportunities to receive Christ. And it didn't just cease. The switch didn't just turn off. You're still existing. And where? And you think hell is better than what you were going through here? No, friend. Suicide should never be a consideration. Life is short enough as it is. You will soon be out of here. Taking your own life is being deceived. Because it does not stop. You don't cease to exist when you stop breathing. You go up or you go down. And you're still you. And even if you're a Christian and you made a mistake, well, you don't want to be robbed by life you should have had, by reward you should have. Eternity is a long time. Right? Somebody say, I can make it a few more years. <laughs> right? By, by the grace of God, by the help of God. And let me, let me give you a comparison. When you were a teenager... 12 years old, huh? 13, and that first heartbreak. Oh, God. <laughs> exactly. 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 You might have thought you were going to die. Is that right? Oh, no. You like them, and they don't like you. And you think you can't go on, the pain is too bad, only because of your inexperience. You've never experienced life. You think this is so awful beyond dealing with. But if you only knew the truth, go have an ice cream. <laughs> Take a nap. Is that right? <laughs> Give it three days. Come on, y'all with me? You know what I'm talking about? Now, we know that, having survived that age. But do you know it's just as true right now if you're 60 years old? Or you're 70 years old? It's just as true. It's just a matter of perspective. But the truth is, with God... I can do all things. Is that right? And he always causes me to triumph. It's not time to quit. It's not time to give up. Give God some time. Give him some opportunity. Give him some time to show you what he can do for you. And you'll find out he's got even better for you than you thought was the ultimate he can do way better. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Say it out loud. I refuse, I refuse to, ever to ever consider suicide. It's not an option. I am not my own. I will trust the Lord. And I will follow Him all the days of my life. And he always causes me to triumph. Hallelujah. And that wasn't in my notes. But that's okay. Well, we're talking about 24. By the end of 24, 61 million people that are alive right now 
will no longer be with us. And here's the thing. Besides those that are still with us, millions and millions of them will have completely wasted their year. Have completely wasted 2024. Including many Christians. Did you find Ephesians 5? Ephesians 5 and 1. He said, be, there for, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Will, will he make you follow? No. No? That's why he's saying, do it. Skip down to verse 14. Wherefore, he's, uh, he says, awake thou that sleepest, and rise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Do you know even though you are alive spiritually, you can live like spiritually dead people? And if somebody is in a deep, deep sleep, they look like they're dead. There's no movement, there's no motion, there's nothing going on. But arise from the dead, wake up. Wake up to what? Being awake is being aware. Rise from the dead and Christ shall give you light. Keep reading. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Can a Christian, he's writing to the church at Ephesus, which were tongue talkers. Born again, talking in tongues, all that. Uh, and And he, is he telling them they could walk like a fool? He said, don't do it. Verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. This is what you want to do with 2024. Huh? This is what I want to do. This is what Phyllis and I want to do. This is what you want to do. What? Redeem it. Not lose it. Not waste it. Make good use of it. Save and, and the opportunities and the time. Time down here on this earth is very, very brief. And so it's precious. And I know it's a lot of discomfort and even on so much cruelty and pain and, and all that. But it is such a short, short time. I actually asked the Lord that years ago. Because I've seen some things in the world that really bothered me. And I said, God, the love I have, I got from you. You put in me. You are love. How do you tolerate this pain down here? All this cruelty. All this death and destruction and curse. How do you tolerate it? Because I know you are love. And I did not expect his answer. He spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice. He spoke to my heart. He said, Keith, it's very brief. Brief. It's very brief. To him, a thousand years is like a day. Well, a hundred, twenty-year lifespan would then be like a couple of hours to him. And so it doesn't please him. It's not his will. But I asked him, how do you tolerate it? And he said, it's very brief from his perspective. Very, very brief. And that's how he tolerates it. But that helped us tolerate it too. But it also should help us to know, don't waste a day. The psalmist said, teach us to number our days. We may know how, how short they are. What we don't want to do is with the Lord sustaining us and keeping us and helping us 12, year, 12 months from now, look back and go, man, we wasted that. You don't want to do that because it's a year you don't get back. We want to redeem it. 
Are y'all, are y'all with me? Are you? Yes. Do you want to redeem it? Yes. Is it possible to redeem it? Yes. Then be glad. Yes. Huh? If it can be redeemed, if it can be saved, then let's do it. Right. Let's not waste it. Because before very long, you and I will be one of the two that's leaving every second. So uh, keep reading. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. How do you do that? Read the next verse. Read the next verse. Be not unwise. So if you wasted the year, would you call that unwise? Yeah. Don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. The Lord showed me this yesterday. I don't know how many times I've read this. And I knew I had this on my heart to minister this morning, even days ago. But I didn't see this. He said, these three verses. How do you redeem the time? You've got to understand what the will of the Lord is. And then how do you find the will of the Lord? Next verse. <laughs> Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. That's how you find out the will of God. And and how do how are you filled with the Spirit? Maybe we could read the next verse. <laughs> Speaking to yourselves. <laughs> Is that right? Right there. Boom, boom, boom. Glory to God. That's it. That's it. His word is amazing. It is so amazing. It's living. It's alive. You can never exhaust all the light and revelation and understanding from it. How can I redeem 2024 and not lose my opportunities and not waste a precious year? I got to find out what God's will is. Right? I got to find out what God's will is and do that in 24 instead of something else. Uh, some years ago, we had some kind of project going on and uh, we had spent some extra money. And I thought, Lord, uh, how much should we believe on this? I mean, this seems like some extra, you know, and you'd like to have paid less on some things and what have you. And, and the Lord spoke to my heart again. He, I didn't expect it. He said, Keith, I don't care how much it costs. Just get the job done. Well, does he care about money? What, what does he care? He creates planets, right? What would he care about a few extra hundred dollars or a few extra million dollars? Well, what would that mean to him? And he helped me to see this. He said, Keith, you cannot waste money doing the will of God. <laughs> I thought, huh? Huh? Sure seems like you could. No, no, you can't. If, if what you did accomplished the will of God, it doesn't matter how much you spent on it. You, it was a good investment. You did not waste one penny. Even if you paid three times too much for stuff, you still, it was a bargain. <laughs> Why? Because no amount of money could ever be equal the worth of the eternal plan and will of God. Amen. On the other hand, if you scraped and squeezed every penny and negotiated down to the dime and saved money and saved money and did it way under budget, if it wasn't the will of God, you wasted the whole thing. The whole thing was a waste. Come on, can you see that? I don't think there'll be any rewards in heaven for whoever saved the most money. No rewards. But there will be rewards. Oh, there will be. 
Eternal rewards for those that were a part of accomplishing the will of God. The plan and will of God. Oh, somebody say the will of God. The will of God. That's what I want. The will of God. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. One of the most evil doctrines of devils that's disrupting and destroying believers in the church is the doctrine of God is in control. Somebody said, well, isn't he? Well, if you believe that, then you believe everything that happens is somehow the will of God. Everything that did not happen is somehow the will of God. You believe, que Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. And if it was meant to be, it will be. Where is that verse? Where is that scripture? Somebody said, well, you don't believe God's in control of everything? I know God is not controlling everything. If God was controlling everything, this place would be paradise. There would be no death. There would be no curse. There would be no sin. You want to know what God's will is? Look at Genesis, creation before the fall. And then skip to the end. Look at Revelation. After the devil and everything's been removed and the new heaven and the new earth. That's the will of God. That's the will of God. All this death and curse and sin in the middle, that's man. That's rebellious, defiant, sinful man and evil devil. Which neither of those is the will of God. Thank you, Lord. The devil's tricky. Oh, he's tricky. Oh, he's, and this thing about God is in control. People will fight you over that. And the thing is, many times they themselves are so rebellious, they are not doing the will of God at all. But they're so adamant. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I've had people put their finger in, in my face and go, I'll tell you one thing, preacher. You already know they're messed up. <laughs> God gets ready for you to do something. By God, you'll do it. It's all they can do to keep from cussing. <laughs> That's a wrong spirit. That ain't the right spirit. <laughs> Sometimes the steam comes out of there when I said, No, he won't. <laughs> it's the devil that wants people to believe that. Because that leaves him unresisted. He can do anything he wants to in people's lives, stealing and killing and destroying. And they'll just go, well, it must have been the will of God. Won't even put up a fight. Won't even resist. No, my brother. No, my sister. To a large degree, the will of God is not being done in people's lives. Take this. If everything that happens is the will of God, why would I need to understand what the will of God is? Why, why would that even be in there? This don't need to be in there if nothing happens unless it's the will of God. All I got to do is wake up and see what happens. Right? And voila, was the will of God because God's in control and nothing happens except what God does or... I just believe that everything happens for a reason. 
Well, yeah, the reason could be you not listening. There you, go. you didn't obey God. Don't mean it's the will of God. Doesn't mean it's the plan of God. Tell me what you want for 2024. Come on, help me out. What, what do you want? Huh? You want the will of God. That's what you want. Because that's the only way we're not going to waste it. <clears throat> Hallelujah. In uh, Matthew, put Matthew on the screen for us, please. Well, actually, let's do it. Go, go to Luke. This is Luke's account of the same thing. Luke 11. Luke 11. And verse 2. What does verse 1 say? It came to pass in a certain, that as he was praying in a certain place. Let's just stop right there. How are you going to find out the will of God in 2024? You're going to have to do some of this. Or you won't. Jesus prayed. And he prayed a lot. Why did he do that? Did he need to pray? Y'all are quiet. Huh? Well, either that or he was doing something he didn't need to do. Huh? You got to remember, he emptied himself. He became like other men. And so he's functioning and operating as a man. And he prayed. And he prayed a lot. I'm going to read you some uh, verses about him praying. You don't, don't try to turn to these. Luke 5, 7, 16, he withdrew himself in the wilderness and prayed. He would get away where there were no distractions and where he wouldn't be interrupted. And he'd pray. Mark 1.35, in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. Got up early and went where he could be uh, uninterrupted, not bothered, undistracted. And prayed. In uh, Luke 6, 12, uh, it came to pass in those days, he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Did he need to do that? Yes. All night? Yes. Yeah, but he's Jesus. Huh? Could he just make a confession and... Why you gotta pray? Why you gotta pray all night? Listen, listen to the very next verse. In those days, he went. This is Luke six twelve. He went into a mountain to pray, and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, so this is the rest of the story. And as soon as it was day, he called to him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, and he named apostles. Why would you have that together? How did he find out who the twelve were? Come on, can you see this? Well, if that's how he found out the will of God, how many think it's important that he get this right and not name the wrong people? Because you read the book of Revelation, these guys' names are in the foundation of the heavenly city. This is something that goes far beyond their lives or even the history of the earth. These had to be right for eternity. Is that right? Did Jesus get it right? Yeah, he did. Why? Well, he's Jesus, but he also... He prayed, and he prayed more than five minutes. More than an hour. Why? Why did he keep praying? Because something kept going on with him 
in communion with God. And he kept praying and talking to the Father about it. And he kept going and he kept going and he kept going. And by the time the sun was coming up, he's got it. He knows who. He knows where. He knows what. Come on, can you see this? How many think Jesus never wasted a day? Of course, he, he didn't live to see 40 on the earth. So was every one of his years precious? How many think he never wasted a day? Did he redeem the time? How'd he do it? How'd he do it? He said, he said, I only do those things that please the Father. He said, I didn't come down from heaven to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Was he seeking the will of God and submitting himself to the will of God and committing to do and fulfilling to do the will of God every day of his life? Is he the best example you could ever follow? Yeah. Yeah. Luke 9, 18, it came to pass when he was alone praying, his disciples came and he asked them questions. In Luke 9... It came to pass eight days after that Peter and John and James, they went up to a mountain to pray. As he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, his raiment was white and glistering, and there appeared and talked to him two men, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish in Jerusalem. You talk about a glorious experience, but how did it start? Why did they go up on the mountain? To pray. And it was while they were praying that this happened. What if they never prayed? Well, uh, in Luke 11, you, you still have that? Luke 11, verse 1, it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, What? Lord, teach us to pray. <laughs> Why? Because he's praying all the time. They see him pray. They listen to him pray. They know. He says, guys, I'm going to go pray for a while. And that might be all night long. They're around this. Week after week. And so they say, well, Lord, you know, John uh, taught his guys how to pray. You teach us how to pray. And he gave them. And it's recorded for us. Hallelujah, what we call the Lord's Prayer, but it's actually the Lord teaching us how to pray. And what did he say? He said, when you pray, what if you don't? <laughs> huh? When you pray, not those of you that are prayers and have the ministry of prayer. Everybody. Needs to pray. Everybody. Supposed to pray. Need to pray. He said when you pray. Say our Father. Which art in heaven. Hallowed. Be thy name. You start your prayer out. With reverence. And respect. And honor. Remind yourself. Who you're talking to. Not Joe down the block. The Almighty on the throne. Remind yourself who you're talking to. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. And what? I mean right off the bat. Is what? Because if you pray in contrary to the will of God, that's a wasted prayer. Right? If you invest in into things, into people who come up with their own idea and it wasn't a plan or vision from God, that's wasted seed, that's wasted labor, it's wasted travel, wasted expending of energy. Oh, friend, there is so much wasted motion and effort and spending in this world. So much of it that it's just total vanity. It'll amount to nothing. Nobody will ever know about it a few years from now. 
Oh, but he or she that does the will of God. It lasts forever. Thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. Now, every part of this prayer is amazing and wonderful and the light and revelation inexhaustible. But just on this part right here. If the will of God is going to happen, whether or not, why should I pray that it would be done? If nothing happens except it's the will of God, then there's no point in me praying. If it's the will of God, it's going to happen, whether I pray or whether I don't. If it's not the will of God, it ain't going to happen no matter how much I pray or I don't. But that's not true. I said that's not true. That's men's religious ideas. It's actually doctrines of demons sent to confuse the church. And robbed the church. The head of the church, Jesus, said pray. Didn't he say pray? And he said, and when you pray. One of the big things you pray about is the will of God. And you pray that God's will would be done. Why you need to pray that? Because unless somebody seeks it and desires it and wants to do it, it won't be done. In case after case. It won't be done. The will of God is not going to automatically happen in your life in 2024 or in mine. For most of the world, it will not happen. Go to Ephesians. Let me give you some more scripture because some of these uh, traditional beliefs, they die hard. I heard one of those holy cows moo just a moment ago. I, I poked him. I poked him. And he, he went moo. Yeah, but I just believe. You hear that word, I just believe? Again, that's an indication. Based on what? Based on what? Well, I've just always believed. Hear that word, just I've just always believed that that indicates it's based on nothing. It's just something you decided to believe. The only sure foundation is it is written. It is written. Right? And yeah, talking about the other side of it, there are some big things that are going to happen. Whether you think so or not. Right? There are. But it doesn't mean you get to be a part of it. Or me. If we won't listen. There are some big things concerning God's kingdom and His plan that are going to happen. And if you and I are not available, He'll use somebody else. If you and I won't listen, He'll use somebody else. But to say that everything that's happening in everybody's life is going to be the will of God, no way. Not even close. No. Unless you seek Him and you want Him in your life and you listen, you won't have the will of God. You'll have something else. Ephesians 2 and 12. Ephesians 2, 12. He's talking about before you got saved. At that time, you were without Christ. Aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Strangers from the covenant of promise. Now, now look at this. Having what? No. no hope. Is that the will of God? No, no. no hope. Why would you have no hope? Because you're without Christ. Can you see that? No hope. And what's your condition in the world? God controlling your life? No. You, God's not anywhere around you. He's not involved in your life at all. You are without Christ, without God in the world, no hope. That's not God governing your life. That's God not involved in your life at all. And the devil doesn't want people to see that. Because they want them to blame God for everything. Uh 
Amplified. Put up the amplified of that. Man, I could use an extra hour this morning. Are you in a, you in a hurry? Or? If this helped us to make the best use of 2024, it'd be worth staying all day. He said, remember, at that time you were separated from Christ, utterly estranged, outlawed. And he said, uh, no share in the sacred compacts. Last, last verse, last sentence, you had no hope and you were in the world without God. If you're in this world, this evil, cursed, death-filled, sin-filled, crazy people-filled world without God, you are hopeless. You've got no future. You've got no hope. And you can blame God for everything going wrong in your life, but you're deceived. The problem is God's not in your life. He's not involved in it at all. Don't you remember in Revelation, the Lord said, Behold, I stand at the door. Huh? And did he say, I'm coming in and I'm going to do what I want. No matter what you think. No, he is not coming in. Why knock? It's up to you whether you want him in your life or not. If you don't, he is not barging in and forcing his will and plan on your life. He is not going to do that. And so all the stuff that happens in your life without him has nothing to do with him. You can get mad at him if you want to, but you're being stupid. The problem is he's not in your life. Because when God's in your life, <laughs> when God's really in control, whoo, you got peace that passes understanding. You got joy that just won't end. You got victory after victory after victory. When God's in it, it's good. It's very good. And keeps getting better when God's involved. But with most of the world, he is not involved. They are in the world without God. Whew. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So, I have some instructions for you. I believe from the Lord. I'm not going to ask you to do these things because it's not for me. It'd be for you. But it'll take some time in your life. Some of your time. Uh-oh, did I lose somebody already? <laughs> uh, go to Colossians. I'm, I'm not quite done with this. I'm trying to move too quick. Go to Colossians the first chapter, please. Will the will of God automatically be done in your life regardless of what you do or don't do? It will not. So if that's so, I need to find the will of God. Right? How do I find it? Well, for instance, you know, Romans 12 said that uh, we need to uh, prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God by the renewing of our mind. We, we need to find out what he says. And yes, from his word, but also there are specifics about you and where you should work and your family and I, that you're not going to find a scripture that names you and names that. But that's what the Holy Spirit's going to help you with. He's going to show you these details. The Bible says, that's what Jesus said, I, I'm, I'm giving you another comforter. And he's going to stay with you forever. And he will teach you all things. And he'll lead and guide you into all the truth. And he'll bring to your remembrance everything I say to you. And he'll show you things to come. Somebody say, he will show you. He will show you. He will show you. He will show you. Jesus said he will He'll show you. So say, he'll show me. Who will? But you got to want to see. 
And so that's going to involve, you know, Jesus said, um, in talking about praying, he said, ask, it'll be given you. Seek, you'll find. Knock, it'll be opened. And that's what he was doing himself in prayer. He is seeking the Father. He's asking about some things. And he's knocking. And if Jesus needed to do it, How about these folks over here? I said, if Jesus needed to do this hours at a time, every day, sometimes all night long, I don't have time to do that. Well, then you got time to waste. <laughs> You'll realize later that you have wasted whole months, maybe whole years. Because even though you worked hard and it wasn't something God wanted you to do. <laughs> it's well worth your time. Because it helps you to not waste time. One of our patriarchs, who was that that said that? Uh, he lived many years ago. Uh, he said this. Uh, he said, I have so much to do today. I'm going to spend the first three hours in prayer. Huh? That's a man who knows. Is that right? He knows the more you got to do, the more important it is you don't waste an hour. Right? So what do you need? I need to find out how to do this. I need to find out what I should be doing. And you'll find out that when you eliminate all the stuff you're not supposed to be doing, man, your calendar just cleared up. <laughs> and now you got plenty of time to do what he wants you to do. <laughs> Colossians 1, verse 1. This is Paul speaking by the Spirit. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Verse 9, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire. What's he praying about? What's he praying about? He said, pray, pray always. That's a lot of praying. What are you doing all this praying about, Paul? That, that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. Oh, somebody say his will, his will. His will. Does it get any more important than His will? It, it doesn't. That you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. Does that sound like a good year? That's a good year. Skip down to chapter 4. Verse 2. Colossians 4. What's he say? In case you forgot since chapter 1. <laughs> you got to keep on praying, brother. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. You need to do at least as much giving thanks as you do praying and asking or petitioning. Verse 3. With all what? Pray for us too. Well, hold on now, Paul. You do a lot of praying. You ain't got it covered. <laughs> now you want us to pray for you too? Now I know some of this sounds humorous, but you do realize most church-going people barely pray at all. And some have believed erroneous stuff all grace, 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 grace has done it all. No, grace has not done all your praying for you the rest of your life. No, it hasn't. Well, it'll be done, you know, because God, I just believe God's in control. Do you see how convenient that is? Then you can be lazy and do nothing. But it's not in agreement with Scripture. It's not what Jesus did. It's not how he lived. Right. 
It's not how Paul lived. It's not how Peter lived. So when did all this change? No, that a door of utterance would be open to us. He should pray for us too. Verse 12, same chapter. Verse 12, Apropos, he says, is one of you. He's always laboring fervently for you in prayers. Why do we need all this praying? Read the rest of it. He tells you right here why, what he's praying about. Why he's praying? Why is he? What's he praying about? That you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Because this evil world is a noisy, distracting, tempting, confusing place. And you got flesh and I got flesh. And the flesh wants to be lazy. And, and if you just never pray, never get in the Word, and you just yield to your flesh, then you'll be easily distracted. And you'll go off on this tangent. You'll go off on that tangent. And it's only days and weeks and months later you realize, oh, no, I wasted that. I didn't need to be in there. Well, whose fault is that? Them? They taught me it? No. You. You didn't pray. You're supposed to be led for yourself. That you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Ready for your instructions? Okay. Oh, man, this is another two-hour message right here. <laughs> so, Lord, help me to sync it up, summarize it. Uh, three things. Over the course of the coming months, I'm going to encourage you to do. And it's in line with what the Lord's been giving Phyllis about being led in those things. And I believe this is not just coming from her or from me. I believe this is the Holy Spirit. And we should all be growing and developing. And not just be carnal. And certainly not just waste our precious days down here. You've got to distinguish between your head and your heart. And in order to do that... There needs to be spiritual activity that is not mental. And many folks have never gotten the difference between the two. Anybody remember Proverbs 3, uh, 5, trust in the Lord? Yes. What? With all of your heart. Lean not to your own. So they're not the same, are they? They're not the same. Now... Uh, you have inspired utterance in another tongue. And there's, in, we call that other tongues. And inspired utterance in a known tongue, that is prophecy. Most folks don't understand what prophecy is. Prophecy, most prophecy is not foretelling. It is not prediction. It's inspired utterance in a language you know. But it's not coming out of your head. It's not mental. It's coming out of your spirit. And every believer can do this. You don't have to be a prophet. The scripture said, 1 Corinthians, for you may all prophesy one by one. Is he saying you can all predict? No. But simple prophecy is speaking unto men edification exhortation and comfort it comforts it builds up it, it encourages that's what simple prophecy if I can use that term is what you got to do is is learn the difference between your head and your heart head and your heart got to learn the difference and so I believe this is an exercise that will help you we have uh, well 
put, put Ephesians back on the screen there, where we started with. Ephesians 5 and uh, 16. 5.16. How are we going to redeem the time? Next verse. Huh? We've got to find out the will of God. How are we going to find out the will of God? Next verse. Be filled with the Spirit. Somebody says, well, I, I am. You know, I spoke in tongues 20 years ago. That does not mean you are full right now. No, that's misunderstanding. He's writing to people that spoke in tongues before. And the language here literally could be translated, be being filled. And you can see the same folks that got filled in Acts 2 got filled again a couple of chapters later. There's one initial reception. There should be many subsequent refillings. Like I said, two hours. Uh, how am I filled with the Spirit? Next verse. Speaking to yourselves. In what? Psalms and hymns. Spiritual songs. Is that, is that only for preachers? Is that only for those in the music ministry? No, he's writing to the saints at the church of Ephesus. He's writing to everybody. This is everybody. Somebody says, well, I, I can't sing. You sure can. We're not saying you should record, but you can sing. Everybody can sing. And when you lift your voice to sing, it takes you to another level. This is what I'm going to encourage you to do. What do you mean? How will I do it? Easy. Take the 23rd Psalm. And the 91st Psalm. And go over it and over it. And over it and over it. And over it and over it. Hundreds and hundreds of times in these coming months. Are y'all with me? Yes. Do not. Try to memorize it. Are y'all with me, church? Memorization is mental. That's not what you want. No. Now, there are good apps. I've had a Bible app for years that uh, I'll play a chapter over and listen to it many times. and So you, you can listen to it, read it, say it. But you want to go over it and over it till eventually it comes out of you without you thinking. And why the Psalms? Because we know this is anointed. We know this is the right spirit. We know this is the will of God. This is the spirit of prophecy in all these Psalms. And... Every one of us need this in us. Psalm 23, don't think you know all about it, is about being led, being fed, being protected. How about Psalm 91? Uh, protection, keeping, finishing your course, being delivered from any bad thing that could ever happen to you. I mean, all the verses, it just... Mm. And when I talk about a lot of real estate scripture-wise, what is it, like six verses or something in Psalm 23 and like 16 in Psalm 91? These are, these are not big. But you don't, look at your neighbor and say, don't memorize. This is not mental. Just keep, keep going over it and over it and over it. Why? you got to keep going over it until your mind gets quiet. And you're not thinking about it. And it's just in your spirit. So we're exercising to our spirit. So our spirit, we become more aware of our spirit. And therefore the Holy Spirit in our spirit. And not understanding led. Not mental. Spiritual. 
Do you think you can do that? Yes. Psalm 23. <laughs> Somebody says, well, I already know that. No, you don't. <laughs> Psalm 91. And just ever how the Lord leads you to do it, but go over them and over them and over them over the next weeks and months, scores of times, hundreds of times. What are we wanting to do? Until it just comes out of my spirit without me thinking or having to try to remember. Not mental. Then here's another thing. The scripture talks about the hour of prayer. Hmm? Remember Jesus said in the garden, talking to Peter and the guys, couldn't you watch with me? One hour? When he was praying. And, and the Bible said when Peter and John went up to the temple at the hour of prayer. Hour of prayer. Somebody say hour of prayer. Hour. There's hour of prayer. I want to encourage you. At least once a week. Pray one hour. Uninterrupted. In other tongues. Are y'all with me? At least one time a week. And when I say uninterrupted, do y'all know what I'm talking about? Yes. This is not you reading scriptures half the hour. That's not praying. This is not you writing notes for 30 minutes. That's not praying. Now, if something comes to you and you feel like you need to write it down, do it. But that takes five seconds. And you keep praying in tongues. Uninterrupted. No texting. Now, like I said, we're going to find out if we're serious about this or not. Do you want to develop or not? Yes. What will I be praying about, Brother Keith? Do I need to give you the answer? <laughs> what, are, what are you praying about? You're praying about, is there anything you need to learn about God's will and plan? You say, thank you, God. You start off with thanksgiving. Thank you, Father. Giving me life. Giving me time. I want to do your will. I don't want to waste my days and my year. I want to do your will. Holy Spirit, help me. Give me utterance to pray and to ask and to say everything, anything I need to about your will for me right now. And then start praying in tongues. And do it uninterrupted for an hour. That's also spiritual exercise that will make you more aware of your spirit and learning the difference between that and your head. And if you want to go further, i got one more thing for you. Those were the two main things. Everybody clear? What was the first one? Help me out. Help me out. Psalm 23. Psalm 91. Do what? Memorize them. No. 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 Go over them again. I, if you hadn't done this kind of thing before, th- this is how I live. This is what I do. You know, when I, uh, like, if I get something on my heart about a message, a lot of times the night before, if there's a chapter or something, I'll go over that chapter. I'll listen to it over and over and over and over again. And you will get so much revelation. I mean, it just, oh, you'll start seeing things you hadn't seen. And it really starts showing up when this head finally gets quiet. Quiet. And what was the other thing? Pray. One hour. At least once a week. Uninterrupted. Uninterrupted. Praying mostly in other tongues. Why? Because you don't know what you should pray for as you ought concerning the will of God. You can believe in the Holy Spirit to help you. 
And this, the last thing goes along with this. The Lord gave me this years ago. Man, it, it really works. If you want to get filled with the Spirit, even get drunk in the Spirit, if you've never been, need to be. Sing Psalm 146 through Psalm 150 at one time. Take you approximately 10 minutes. You can read, they're very short. Psalm 146, 147, 148, 149, 150. Psalm 146 through 150. They all start with, praise ye the Lord. (laughs) Every one of them. But you can go, praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. For the Lord is good. The Lord is good. And His mercy endures forever. <laughs> now, is everybody listening? Why? These these words, these psalms, are anointed. They are anointed utterance in a language you understand. Sing them out, and then when you finish Psalm one fifty, no. Sing Psalm 151. So we say, well, there ain't no Psalm 51. Exactly. <laughs> That's your new song. Your new song. Oh, okay. Oh, boy. Huh? Your new song. Just, just sing it. Let it rip. Just just sing it. You know, do it by yourself where you don't have to be conscientious about any of it. It doesn't matter if it rhymes or if the pitch or tone. Forget about all that. We're talking about spiritual. Spiritual activity. Sing Psalm 146 through Psalm 150. I'm telling you, it won't take you, even if you took your time and, and really sang it, it probably wouldn't take you 15, 20 minutes. You can read them in like seven minutes. But they're anointed. And that same, what you want is to minister by the same spirit that David ministered. So that, what we're talking about, these Psalms, that makes you familiar with the Holy Spirit. And there's no question, well, is that really the Spirit or not? This is the Holy Spirit. You don't have to wonder about that. Stand on your feet. (laughs) 